The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Friday, June 26th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. The church created to circumvent a loophole in Tennessee's elections. VR is getting smell-o-vision, but smelling things is not actually the point. How to prevent your glasses from fogging up when you wear a mask. And a website that aims to combine the best of old-fashioned TV channel surfing and the weird wonders of the web. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Many states here in the U.S. have been accepting absentee ballots from all residents regardless of reason. Here in New York, we got sent an application with affected by COVID-19 as a valid reason for not being able to go to the polls and a note that basically said anything counts as being affected by it, not just actually having it. Other states have been more resistant to hop on the mail-in voter bandwagon, however. Tennessee, for example, like New York, requires a valid reason to request an absentee ballot. Unlike New York, however, they didn't give everyone a free pass because of COVID-19. Accepted reasons to request an absentee ballot in Tennessee include being out of the country on Election Day, being over the age of 60, having a physical disability and an inaccessible polling place, or if you're observing a religious holiday that prevents you from voting in person during the early voting period and on Election Day. And it's that last one that stood out to 27-year-old Tim Jacobs, an employee of Tennessee's Department of Environment and Conservation. Jacobs created the Church of Universal Suffrage, an officially registered nonprofit religious organization whose official religious holidays are all U.S. voting days. From the website, quote, We hold regular weekly Sunday service where we meditate on the nature of voter suppression and corruption. We also hold every voting day in the United States to be an official holiday reserved for meditation on the nature of voter suppression and in celebration of our inalienable right to vote, endowed to us by our creator, along with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, end quote. The Church of Universal Suffrage's liturgical calendar lists Sundays and all of Tennessee's election days and early voting periods as official religious holidays, but also notes on the page, quote, The following dates are specific to the state of Tennessee. Please contact your founding state minister for local dates of upcoming holidays, end quote. Anyone can be a member and hundreds have already signed up, including folks in half of the U.S. states who have agreed to be those founding state ministers. Now, while this is certainly a bit tongue-in-cheek, Jacobs is actually pretty serious. He told Pathios that he considers group meditation a form of worship, and he truly believes that voting is an inalienable right as outlined in the church's statement of faith. And just to avoid any whiff of him trying to create a religion to scam people out of money, the website makes a point of saying that the Church of Universal Suffrage will never ask for or accept donations. There's also a place on the website to report your minister, specifying that ministers should never pressure you into voting for a particular candidate, which is a nice value to have, but also might be part of their nonpartisan requirements as a nonprofit. 
And while there haven't been any in-person meetings yet due to the pandemic, Jacobs fully intends to hold Sunday services for group meditation on voter suppression as soon as it is safe to do so. For whatever reason, the other day I was bemoaning the fact that we can't smell things through our computers. Like, with all of us stuck at home and online shopping at an all-time high, wouldn't it be great if you could smell things like candles, perfumes, and other scented items before buying them? Turns out, we might be closer to that than I thought. A team out of the University of Chicago has developed a technology that is actually not in any way related to that purpose, but that I personally think could maybe be tweaked and used for online commerce in the future. What they're actually doing, however, is objectively cooler. They've created a small device to attach to VR headsets that sends atomized puffs towards a user's nose in order to help them feel different temperatures while playing an immersive game. While some VR hardware exists for giving the sensation of temperature via thermoelectric heating and cooling or heating lamps, none of it is ideal, uses a lot of power, and can be pretty bulky and cumbersome. Researchers at the University of Chicago decided to think totally outside the box, quoting IEEE. They've done it by hacking into your face. By using very specific chemicals to access the trigeminal nerve in your nose, they can make you feel hot and cold through smells without realizing you're smelling anything at all. The trigeminal nerve connects your brain to most of your face, and it carries a bunch of sensory information, including both smell and temperature. The actual temperature sensing mechanism comes from transient receptor potential, or TRP, ion channels. And while we can skip over exactly how these work, the important thing to understand is that some of these TRP channels can get triggered either by skin temperature or certain kinds of aerosolized chemicals. You've almost certainly experienced this for yourself, when you smell peppermint and it feels cold, because the menthol in the peppermint is triggering a receptor in your trigeminal nerve called TRPM8 that responds to both the menthol and temperatures under 25 degrees Celsius. On the other end of things, capsaicin, which you can find in hot peppers, triggers the TRPV1 receptor, which also responds to temperatures above 42 degrees Celsius. And that's the key. One receptor that can be triggered by temperature or a chemical, but sends the same temperature sensory message to your brain. The researchers describe this as a perceptual duality. And if you aerosolize one of these chemicals and puff it up your nose, you'll feel a temperature change. End quote. The tricky part is that you don't really want the VR user to be able to smell the scent just to experience the temperature change. Fortunately, pure capsaicin doesn't smell like anything, but finding the right scent for cold temperature was harder. They've been trying out a few options, but if they can't find anything, they'll either mask the odor with other smells that thematically fit what's happening in the game, or use something they've developed called pink smell, which is like pink noise. Quoting again, Pink smell attempts to do for odors what pink noise does for sound, using a balanced noise of unidentifiable odors to drown out any other odors that the user might recognize. It's a confusing sensation, Jas Brooks, one of the study's authors, says, which is precisely what it's designed to achieve. You can immediately smell something, but it was hard for us authors to recognize what any odor was exactly because of the olfactory noise, even when we tried it with menthol, end quote. The device itself weighs just over 100 grams and uses 20 to 50 times less power than the other temperature-changing VR hardware on the market. They come with 1 ml vials of liquid scents, and 3 of those can last for 6 hours of sustained temperature-changing gameplay. 
Brooks said of the device's performance, quote, Both the warm and cool sensations we were able to elicit in VR were surprisingly immersive, but definitely not as intense as directly heating or cooling the air or skin, end quote. He also told IEEE that they're trying to encode for other temperature levels as well as stronger sensations, and they're exploring whether they could activate the TRP channels with electrical stimulation. It's pretty wild stuff, but I have now realized that my whole idea for a device that you can enable to smell random scents online wouldn't actually work based on this tech because you'd still need to be sent vials of whatever scent you're trying to peruse, which kind of defeats the purpose of being able to browse and smell all kinds of different scents for, say, candles before purchasing one online. So I guess it's back to the drawing board for my smell-a-shopping idea. If you're a glasses wearer, the last few months of mask wearing have probably been especially difficult. No matter how much it may seem like, it's going to be fine when you put the mask on inside. As soon as you go outside, your glasses immediately fog up from your breath. Or vice versa if you go from the heat into an air-conditioned building. Maybe you've figured out an okay strategy, or maybe you've just suffered through it, or like me, chosen to just stop wearing glasses outside, which is not ideal. In any case, here are a few quick tips that you may not have considered. The first one is to get a mask with a nose bridge, which is a flexible strip you can adjust to fit snug around your nose so that your breath isn't escaping up the top of your mask. Quite a few of these have hit the market, so you can probably buy one if you search online, or if you prefer the DIY method, you can attach twist ties or pipe cleaners to the top seam of the mask. Some people have also suggested folding up a tissue and taping it to that inside part of your mask to absorb the moisture from your breath. I have a feeling that the moisture might make the tape not sticky anymore, so that one sounds a little cumbersome to me. There's also a bunch of anti-fog wipes and sprays for sale that could be worth a shot, although I think your mileage may vary. And finally, one that I accidentally stumbled upon after cleaning my glasses but is apparently a thing, even backed up in a legit journal experiment, is using soap and water. Don't use this method if you have any sort of special coating on your glasses, but if you don't, all you gotta do is wash your glasses in soap and water and let them air dry or lightly pat dry with a clean cloth before heading out. Quoting the study in Annals, Washing the spectacles with soapy water leaves behind a thin surfactant film that reduces this surface tension and causes the water molecules to spread out evenly into a transparent layer, end quote. Like so many things with mask wearing and glasses wearing, honestly, it's going to require some trial and error and be different for each person, but maybe one of these will work for you. And finally today, if you're looking for something kind of calming to zone out to this weekend instead of doom-scrolling through social media, maybe check out Surf City. It's a site that launched in April from ScrollKit co-founder Cody Brown, and here's how he described it on Twitter. Quote, I've been craving an escape hatch from Twitter. So some friends and I made this, a live network of 20 streams dedicated to nature, music, and things that fascinate. Say hello to Surf.City. Some notes. All the channels are handcrafted. There is no algorithm. This is Lean Back, designed for your TV or tablet. Banner ads will appear if you don't have an ad blocker. Get one. The dream for Surf City is to combine the communal warmth of live TV with the weird good parts of the modern internet. Channel surfing plus web surfing equals Surf City. End quote. 
So when you go to surf.city, there's a full screen video plane that you have the option to mute or unmute. There's also a source button if you want to see where any of the videos came from, but you can't pause or scrub forward or backward in the actual interface because the whole point is to kind of mimic TV channel surfing and just sort of tune out to it and go with the vibe. The 20 channels all have names, and sometimes the content is exactly what it sounds like, and sometimes it's almost the opposite. For example, Channel 2, the news, is just soothing nature scenes. Channel 3, cartoons, appears to be mostly cartoons. Channel 4 is sports, but mostly esports, it seems like, at least when I last checked it out. There's also a separate Let's Play channel called Game Night. There are also a few channels for music videos, including K-pop and boogie selections. I like Channel 10, Wood, and Channel 18, Machines, which just show videos of woodworking and machines running. Channel 13 is simply called Channel 13, and it appears to be cursed. It's the most chaotic of all the channels, no matter what is playing. Channel 19 is called Porn, but don't worry, so far it just seems to be delicious shots of food being prepared. There's also a few channels that are abstract iTunes visualizer kinds of videos, and also one dedicated entirely to ocean life. And finally, channel 21 called Manifesto, and also clickable at the bottom of the screen, leading you to think that you'll be directed to maybe a statement by the team who created Surf City. But no, it's an edit of Mark Zuckerberg's notorious Smoked Meats livestream. And I don't think that this one changes. I kind of read it as a critical commentary on social media platforms, but I could be projecting. And I think the channels might go off the air for a little bit sometimes, because sometimes they would stay static for a while when I was on one of them, despite other channels loading fine, so I don't think it was my connection. And that might be partially by design, to make it a slow, real experience similar to channel surfing. And maybe also because, as Cody said on Twitter, it's all curated. It's not an algorithm, so maybe there's not quite enough content to fill all the time yet. Whatever the case, it is a pretty cool website that I think I might cast onto my TV this weekend just to chill out. Link in the show notes if you want to do the same, and shout out to Chris Messina for sending this my way. If you see something cool that you think might be a good fit for the show, or just generally that you want to share, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at JackIsNotABird. That is all for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird. I hope you have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday.